You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. There are many different paths you can take, but there's only one road to Atlanta. The high drive deep out to left field. He clubbed it. Brady twisting and turning, looking up and giving up. It's a home run for Danby Swanson. Flair out towards shallow right. That's big trouble. Albies going back. He dives and he makes the catch. What a play, Ozzy Albies. Swanson is headed for three. He'll try for it inside the parker. Relay throw comes toward the plate. He'll score standing, and it's his second inside the park home run of the season. This is your weekly podcast dedicated to the Atlanta Braves farm system. Follow the show on Twitter at Road, the number two, Atlanta. Now, hit the road with your hosts. Eric Cole, Gaurav Vidak, and Garrett Spain. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Road to Atlanta, a podcast devoted solely to the Braves farm system and Braves prospects. I am one of your hosts, Eric Cole. You may recognize me from my work over on TalkingChop.com, as well as a very regular co-host of the Talking Chop flagship podcast during this most recent Braves postseason run. I apologize. We haven't been able to make this podcast in the last few weeks simply because the Braves had a really lengthy playoff run that ended in a World Series title. To talk about that, as well as to kind of go over some of the goings-on in the minor leagues and kind of reviewing the back on the minor league season a little bit, is one at Braves MILB on Twitter, Garrett Spain. Garrett, how are you, my man? Oh, man, I... uh I'm excited to get back to talking, you know. It's been a few weeks off, but it has it's been a few weeks off for podcasting, but it's been a few weeks of doing a ton of work anyways. But it's been a really crazy. Uh, I don't think any of us exactly expected the schedule to quite go how it did. Yeah, um it's kind of funny because, you know, once the we we kind of understand that one of the things that has been the weirdest for me is that because the Braves were kind of underperforming a little bit, it's that, you know, I didn't really make personal plans to kind of accommodate for a really deep postseason run. I had made a family vacation plans months and months ago. Uh, I knew it could possibly interfere with an October, October playoff run, but it was kind of the only time we could do it. And I ended up being in upstate New York during the Brewer series, uh, which was a ton of fun. Got to go to Cooperstown. I uh, got to see family, the, spend time with my brother who I haven't seen in a long, long time. So it was a good time. But, you know, in terms of – I don't think that any of us were really prepared for what happened. But it was a great time, obviously, uh, for – if you've been hiding under a rock for the better part of a couple weeks, the Braves were triumphant in the 2021 World Series. A lot of the guys that Garrett and I have been covering for a long time were a big part of that uh, particular postseason run, as well as some guys who were just acquired at the trade deadline and out of nowhere just decided to turn into Brave Ruth, at least for individual series at a time. We were happy for that as well. Uh, I've actually shared my thoughts on a number of platforms between radio, various radio spots as well as on the Talking Chop podcast about kind of what that kind of World Series run meant to me and, you know, how big of a deal it was and how 
I, I hope that all of you got to cherish it and are continuing to kind of drink in that moment because, you know, it's a really, really special thing. But Garrett, you actually haven't had an opportunity to kind of share your thoughts on kind of, you know, what kind of, what were your kind of top level thoughts about the series and, you know, kind of what it meant to you. So I'm just going to go ahead and let you have the floor, man. Uh, talk to me a little bit about your World Series thoughts and kind of, you know, what were you thinking as the series was going on and as the postseason run was going on. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I was fairly confident in the team in terms of, you know, I thought the matchup with the Brewers was kind of a toss-up. You know, both teams were good enough, and I think thought that was a good matchup. And then after that, you know, once – I think once the Braves went to up, up 2-0 again on the Dodgers, it was kind of like, okay, they they can legitimately do this. Because, I mean, looking at the team that they had on the other side, I was fairly confident with the rotation that they had that they were going to – beat either the Dodgers or the um, – I'm sorry, either the Astros or the Red Sox. And so once they held on, you know, I think I was almost more excited after the Dodgers series because it felt like, you know, that's been the thorn in the side for so many years. And, and so getting by them was kind of like a big deal and then winning the World Series. I mean, I was not born yet the last time the Braves won a World Series. So this is a, a new experience, and it's still kind of a – it's wild, you know, it's still kind of even thinking about it, you get excited about it. And especially, you know, so many of the guys that we've watched come up, you know, that's the best thing is it's like these guys that we've watched since they were, you know, 18 years old now are winning World Series. And that's like, it's a really good feeling because, you know, we care about those guys and seeing them reach, you know, the pinnacle of their dreams is, I think that's the best part about it for me is being able to watch these guys that we've followed the system kind of, get to where they wanted to go in their careers and kind of ahead of schedule. And now you have years where the window is hopefully going to be open for a very long time for this to not be the last time they do that. Yeah, I kind of forget sometimes that you're a bit of a young buck in terms of, you know, you weren't even in existence when the Braves won last, which one makes me feel incredibly old because I remember distinctly, you know, the last Braves win, you know, Marquis Christian catching the final out was, you know, something that was burned into my brain when I was a kid. Uh, but, you know, it also means that you got to be spared a certain amount of pain in the late 90s with some uh, pretty brutal losses to Yankees teams uh, in the World Series after that. And then obviously uh, a really long stretch. And really, it's kind of something that only you got to experience was just kind of the drought, right? Uh, just not being able to, like, not getting to the World Series again and, you know, really kind of struggling to get out of the first round of the playoffs and Obviously, the last few years, they've managed to kind of get over that hump. And, you know, I'm glad that for for folks kind of like your age uh, that it's, you know, you finally get to experience that for the first time. Uh, but I, it's also kind of a different appreciation for those who are a little bit older, who like understand, like have, like they have felt that gap, have felt that joy, and then had to kind of feel like that really long period of time being able to get back to there again. But the Braves pulled it off. Uh, I'm thrilled for both the young guys that we got to know, uh, as well as the, kind of all the veteran guys too. The, you know, Snicker, the coaching staff. It's just been a wild ride just to kind of see what that team had to endure to even get to that point. And by the time that October came around, they were really humming along. And you know, I, I'm kind of with you. Like I felt like that the, the best team left in the playoffs was the Dodgers. And if they could just get past them, and you know, fortunately, you know, Dave Roberts made some pretty questionable decisions you know, on the pitching side, combined with just you know, they seemed like they kind of ran out of gas, uh, lost a couple, lost a key player in Mac Muncy, you know, just didn't have the kind of the pitching that we were expecting that maybe they were at least they didn't perform that way uh, once they were against the Braves in the championship series, and the Braves played really, really well against them. So 
uh, it was a really, really exciting time. Uh, and again, I just want to make sure that I had a chance to make sure Garrett got his thoughts down on paper. So the purpose of this podcast is to re- review the 2021 Mississippi Braves roster. Uh, for those who aren't aware, the Mississippi Braves won the Double uh, A South title this year. Very, very good team. Wasn't good for the team reasons that we thought they were going to be good. Uh, and I think I'm sure we'll get into that as we kind of go on with this particular podcast, but there is a bit of baseball going on that involves some Braves minor leagues. The Arizona Vol League has been going on, and if you're looking for updates as to kind of how the Braves prospects have been doing, uh, make sure you go onto the site at TalkingShop.com. Every Monday, we've been posting kind of a, a recap of what the Braves prospects down in the Arizona Fall League have been doing, and Garrett's the one that's actually been doing those recaps. So, Garrett, just kind of give everyone a bit of an update as to kind of how the guys have been going doing down in the AFL, who's been like standing out in like good ways and in not so good ways. Yeah, for me, I mean, for the most part, it's not been all of that great. And I don't, I don't read too much into, you know, uh, Jesse Franklin struggled a lot down there. Indigo Diaz, I think is the biggest surprise in terms of the one that's the guy that's really struggled down there. You know, I don't read too much into it because a lot of these guys, I mean, they are at, you know, there was a shortened season last year. A lot of guys didn't, I mean, most, I mean, they didn't play an actual season at all, but a lot of guys didn't play really with the Braves organization at all last year. And so these guys are really kind of at the limit of what they can do physically. Uh, they're out of, a lot of these guys are out of gas. So I don't, guys that are struggling and even guys that are doing well, I don't read too much into it. Right. And so Jesse Franklin has been frankly terrible down there. Indigo Diaz had a really good week last week was kind of what we expected from him. But really, since, you know, he went on the COVID IL, he hasn't been all that great. And so, he's you know, these are guys that are kind of – you can tell that they are at the end of what – of they are at their limits here. Um, except, the, except Drew Lugbauer, apparently. Except for the good one is Drew Lugbauer, who had a fantastic season at Mississippi too, and he has been otherworldly at – I mean – I think he did. He hit another home run today. I think I saw. I mean, he's uh, just. I, I, I think I think he hit an apple home run today. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, five home runs in ten games is absolutely ridiculous. Uh, Luke Waddell has actually hit fairly well. He's not hitting for a lot of power. He has three doubles in I think like twelve games now, or eleven or twelve games. But he's hitting. He's not striking out a ton. He's put, making a lot of contact and fairly good contact. You know, the first couple of weeks he had some poor bad at ball luck and wasn't getting a lot of hits, but he started to come around. And so we're seeing him hit, we're seeing Lugbauer hit. And I think, you know, it's good to see some of those guys hitting, you know, unfortunately, I think with Franklin, we we even had concerns with Franklin when he was with Rome, that he was running out of gas. So I don't know that I'm particularly surprised that he is struggling and I'm not really worried that he's struggling. It's just a, you know, Hey, he is struggling and it's fairly obvious that, you know, there's not a lot left in the tank for him. Um, I, Victor Vodnik has had a couple good starts lately, which is a really good sign because we were starting to get to the point where we were thinking, can this guy start at all just because of the amount of injuries he's had. So it's good to see him kind of string together some good starts. And he had a really bad first start, but the last three have been fairly decent. And so it's been really good to see him. You know, his last start was really great. And it's nice to see him start to string together, get stretched out, go five innings and look really good. I've liked that, you know, I've liked that we've seen Vodnik actually put consecutive starts together where he's going fairly deep into a game. Yep, uh, could, couldn't agree more. We'll talk a little bit about more some of, about some of these guys because the, the Mississippi Braves are pretty well represented down in the AFL this year. But, you know, for the moment, 
I kind of want to talk a little bit now as we kind of get into this review. I want to talk a little bit about the position players first. And we'll talk about catcher because basically there's only one guy worth talking about. Uh, Hedrick Clementina was the backup, uh, was the backup catcher and he played a few games there. Uh, Drew Lugbauer did, would make one start at catcher, but the guy to talk about here who was like among the league leaders in a lot of offensive categories, uh, is Shay Langeliers who, you know, kind of bearing the lead was one of the better players on the offensive lot side for in all of Braves minor league baseball this year. Uh, he certainly wouldn't be my pick for the best, but he had a really good year, particularly for the position that he plays. So talk to us a little bit about Shea and kind of the year he had and kind of what your thoughts about him at the, towards the end of the season. Yeah. I, I mean, I think Langlers did everything we expected him to do and then exceeded all of our expectations in pretty much every category. I mean, I think if you look at one spot that he struggled, he didn't, he struck out a little bit and, Everybody struck out a lot, you know, the year off type of thing, I think. So if you look at the one knock on him is that he struck out a lot. And that's really kind of not, if you look at where the run environment is, it's kind of, he's kind, he's more in line with where the league is in general. And then in every other category, he was excellent. I mean, he would go on home run binges where he would hit two, three, where he would hit three, four in a week and just go insane. He showed a lot of power and as long as he can hit reasonably well with that power, he can catch. And he can catch at the major level. And what we saw behind, from him defensively was he was just a menace. I mean, no one could run on him all year long. He was making guys look foolish all the time on the base pass, picking guys off like crazy. It, it was an incredibly impressive defensive performance from the beginning of the season to the end of the season. And he matched that by also being – one of the better hitters in the entire system all year and hitting for a ton of power. And so he, he definitely exceeded my expectations in terms of the power I wanted to see him produce. And in him doing that, he's really set himself up to be, you know, the guy that the Braves are hoping are going to take over in that position at catcher long term because he's shown that he can, you know, hit at a high level of, um, the minor leagues and uh, he just I mean he had a fantastic year I, I don't think that anybody in terms of both you know I don't think he wasn't the best hitter in the system this year but in terms of if you look at both sides of the ball hitting and defense I don't think that anybody was more impressive from the beginning of the year to the end of the year than he was yeah he had quite the season you know and the only concern I have with Shea at this point is just like I worried that as he kind of goes against more advanced you know pitching and, you know, goes against, you know, better breaking balls and just higher velocity fastballs that, you know, the hit tool isn't so good to make me think that that is just a given that he'll be hit enough in the major leagues to be a major league catcher. But at the same time, like, you know, like there's a lot of really positive things that you take away from this season. Uh, and, you know, the defensive, you know, stuff is great. You know, obviously the highlight reel, you know, throwing out guys and picking them off, that stuff's great. And he's really good. He moves really well behind the plate. But, the thing that kind of stood out to me is just like he has gotten so much better at game calling, get, managing a pitching staff. I mean, like this pitching staff, you know, this kind of spoils kind of the second half of the show, but this pitching staff performed exceedingly well this year. And there was a lot of like rotating pieces here and there. A lot of guys were kind of getting promoted very quickly with pit stops in Mississippi. And it seemed like every time that, you know, these guys took the mound, that there was a game plan and, you know, Shea was helping to really execute that plan, framing pitches well. You know, it seems like he was calling good games. You know, a lot of really high quality games were put together by this pitching staff. And you can't really forget what a catcher contributes to that 
So it kind of speaks to, again, just kind of his development as a catcher. I don't think that he's somebody that's like, you know, ready to start at catcher opening day 2022, but he's going to start working his way into some conversations pretty quickly, especially if he continues to kind of really get a good grasp on what this pitching staff's about and, you know, kind of continuing to add more and more information uh, to that brain of his where he can, you know, continue to like add little tricks here and there, understanding, you know, how to manage certain guys versus others, getting to know more and more guys as he kind of continues to climb the ladder in the system. So really, really excited to kind of see what he looks like going forward. Uh, obviously just had an outstanding year, you know, was one of the better, was certainly one of is the, was the best offensive performer on this Mississippi team, which Weirdly enough, didn't have a lot of great offensive performers. I, I, I mean, we'll kind of talk about the infield here. Uh, now, if you told me that of the infield of Drew Lugbauer, CJ Alexander, Braden, and Braden Shoemake, those three guys, just talking about those three guys, that Drew Lugbauer was going to have the best offensive season, I would have thought that you were crazy. But that's exactly what happened because Drew Lugbauer, I mean, again, the hit tool is a bit questionable at times. But the guy hits for power, and he put together a good year. He drew a bunch of walks. C.J. Alexander had a kind of a rough year. He hit for some power every once in a while, but again, this is kind of that hit tool is really, really suspect. And Braden Shoemake, you know, Luke Waddell got, got added to the Mississippi roster late in the season, but Braden Shoemake was a guy that I have more questions about than ever, and they're genuine questions. It's not like a, I, I don't think he'll figure it out. Obviously, coming off the, the COVID layoff that, you know, like a lot of weird things happen in terms of, you know, how guys acclimate to that. But he did not have a good season. He had like one and a half good months this year, and that was pretty much it. So kind of walk us through your thoughts on the, the Mississippi infield and kind of any, you know, any thoughts you want to share about any of those guys. Yeah, I think on Shoemaker, you know, the one good thing that we'll say about Shoemaker is I think he answered the questions we had about him defensively. I think that we're all on sure, the book that, that he can play shortstop. You know, and, and he's going to play shortstop long term, which does help his profile a lot that he can play shortstop. Um, but the issue is, is that he, for the most part, his hit tool regressed. He was not hitting the ball as well as we thought in terms of consistently hitting line drives, making contact at an extremely high rate, you know, drawing walks, stuff like that. He regressed with his hit tool, but didn't really add impact contact. And so that's, you know, the issue is, is, if he's going to trade off the hit tool, he's got to hit for more power. And he didn't do that except for one or two little spurts this year. And so he's either got to go back to consistently hitting or he's got to start showing power. And if one of those two things doesn't come, he's probably not going to hit enough to start at the major league level. Now he is a very good, he showed in college that he's a very good hitter. He definitely has the potential to do it. And Again, you know, they're making a lot of swing adjustments, so things are kind of – it's hard to judge exactly, but he does have to – he has the talent to do it. He just has to do better than he did this year if he wants to play at the magic level. And he's, you know, already a college guy who had a bad season at double-A, and that's not always the best sign for a guy's future if coming out of college, if you go and have a bad season at double-A. It's just not the best sign for a guy Um Overall, I think seeing him defensively definitely helped, but he's just got to hit more and and hit consistently for us to really consider him a top prospect. Like, he's obviously a top prospect. You know, he's a guy that's in our top 20, but he's not one of those guys that we see, you know, as, you know, a top 10 guy that we're really looking to fill into the Braves uh, lineup in the near future. I just don't – 
I haven't, we haven't seen that yet from him and we really need to see that from him before we can make significant shifts upward with him. Um, Lugbauer, I, I, Lugbauer had a fantastic season, right? I don't think that that hit tool is going to play at the major level, but with the power that he has, it's worth taking a shot and we we're seeing him at in the fall league doing the same exact thing and being fantastic. Um, you know, again, I, the lack of a defensive home, the lack of a hit tool, it's very hard for that profile to work at the major level, but with the power that he has, if anybody's going to make it work, it's going to be luck power. Right. And, you know, you just, I, I think he will probably be at AAA next year. I would assume so. I think he's 25 now. Oh, he's 24. He'll be 25. I would assume we'll see him at AAA next year. Um, and we'll just see if, you know, he hits enough to make that power work. You know, we see, you know, we saw with a guy like Alex Jackson that, you know, sometimes it doesn't matter how much power you have, you can't hit well enough. And really his hit tool is probably not better than Jackson's and that's not a good sign, you know, definitely. But I mean, the power is legit. Things can happen. Guys can figure things out. So if he figures things out, there's definitely potential for him to play as a DH, you know, first baseman type, but he's got a long way to go in that regard, I think. Yeah, I agree there. Uh, You know, there's just the the Bloodbauer's profile is a little bit sketchy at times, but he has a tool, right? Like, and if he edits a, if he has a real tool in his power, that, you know, if, if he ever hits, if he ever hits enough to really kind of consistently get to it, the Braves will find a way to make him useful somewhere, right? Um, you know, and then she, she makes case. I agree he's a shortstop. I, I thought he was a really, like, really high quality defender there. I'm um, just con- more, just, uh, just concerned that he's, he's not going to be an impact bat, but I thought that at least he was going to hit for average this year and said, you know, he hit for a little bit of power, like, kind of after a, a truly dreadful start to the season, but then kind of, fell off a bit again and it's just kind of it was a frustrating situation in that you know you look at his line and he just doesn't doesn't look good and he looked he had stretches where he looked truly bad at the plate so I don't I don't really know what to make of that um I'm pretty much off of CJ Alexander I will say he's a pretty good defender over at third he's a strong arm but he you know the power is real but like he has it he'll go weeks with doing absolutely nothing and really, really brutal at bats. I uh, had some big moments uh, during, you know, their postseason run, so I'm not going to, like, completely discount that, obviously. A few of the guys on this list who had kind of rough seasons, they kind of put it together at the right time uh, to kind of ultimately capture the championship, which, you know, is obviously great news for Mississippi. But overall, like, this kind of speaks to this, like, again, like, Shubek was supposed to be, like, a really, like, a pedigree hitting prospect, and he just didn't really perform. And then you look at the outfield, where if you, like, again, you look at Justin Dean, Trey Harris, Grayson Janesta, and again, like, Jacob Pearson and Jeffrey Ramos, these these are guys, these are guys who, those aren't necessarily the key names there, and, you know, Janesta's kind of a guy that we've been, you know, he's fallen off the radar a decent bit. But again, had some key moments in the postseason. Had some had some stretches where he was hitting for some power too, drawing some more walks towards the end. But I mean, Justin Dean had a pretty decent season. Trey had a really below average season. I really thought that this Mississippi team was going to be a really, really good offensive performing team, and that's just not what happened. And I'm a little bit surprised at kind of how these a lot of these outfielders, particularly Trey, uh, underperformed this year. Yeah. I, I... You know, I think Janisha overall, like, his season wasn't, was actually 
fairly decent. You know, he drew a ton of walks. He hit for a ton of power. It's just, again, same thing with Love Bauer. You know, he just doesn't have a hit tool. Um, I think he doesn't have Love Bauer's power either, not quite. I mean, he still has a ton of power, just not at the level that Love Bauer has, but he kind of makes up for it that he's more versatile defensively. Um, so he's kind of in that same boat where you keep him in the system. Maybe one day it clicks, maybe it doesn't. Um, you know, I'm not, I don't consider him a top 30 prospect, but I do consider him a guy that has major league potential if the things come together. Um, Dean, Trey Harris definitely was one that like, he just never put together a consistent stretch where he was hitting and hitting for a reasonable level of power. And so, you know, we saw a lot of the flaws in his approach where he doesn't take a lot of walks and doesn't work deep counts. And we saw that kind of being exposed at the double A level. And that's just something that he needs to work a little bit better on. I mean, he's, it's, his style is he's an aggressive player and, and he hits aggressively, but he just has to kind of pick and choose his moments a little bit better in terms of attacking his pitch more often. Uh, the hitting ability is there. He has more power than he looks like he has. Um, I think he was better defensively this year than we, than I thought he was going to be. I think he was good enough this year defensively where if he hits, I think he can play a corner outfield spot. I think he can play left field just fine if he hits. I don't think he's going to be a great defender out there, but I think he'll be okay if he hits. He's just, again, he has to hit. He did not hit this year. And, you know, at 25, you got to think like, you got to hit pretty soon or the clock's going to run out. Uh, Dean, great defender, steals a lot of bases. He's just struck out too much this year, and that's got to change for him. Or, you know, I think that with his speed and defense, he still has a fairly good shot at being a bench bat, even if he Yeah, he's interesting still, yeah. Even if he doesn't hit a lot. But in terms of, you know, if he wants, you know, if we want him to be a fourth outfielder type, I don't think that, in this organization specifically that he's long-term a starting outfielder. Uh, but if he wants to be that fourth outfielder type, he does have to hit more. And, and, and again, the potential is there. We've seen him do it in the past, but you know, he draws walks. He's, he's a patient hitter. You know, he makes the most when he, most of his opportunities, when he gets on base, he hits for reasonable power. Again, he's not a crazy strong guy, but, He's stronger than you would expect a five six guy to be. Um, he hits for enough power to make it work if he hits. Right now he's not hitting. Uh, you know he's striking out more than thirty percent of the time, and that's just not going to work for him. He needs to get that down. You know if he can get that down to the twenty three to twenty five percent range, I think that he can play as a fourth outfielder type. But if he doesn't, he's going to kind of be stuck in that quad A role where he's just not quite able to get over the hump and make it. F the major level yeah um i i still like you know like it's we still like trey we still like justin dean uh but again their performances just in general from this mississippi team this year and it's so hard to gauge how much of this is like again this is a team that like had a covid outbreak on their roster during the season early in the season there was like a bit of a mutiny and like resulting in the manager leaving uh by the way big hat tip to uh dan meyer uh, come, taking over and becoming interim manager and leading this team to the, the title. That is a, that is, that is big time. And obviously we're big DMI fans here. So I'm, I wanted to kind of shout, shout him out because what he had to do to pilot this team to get to a title where, you know, your offense isn't really clicking on all cylinders all the time. And 
to be able to manage what has, was a rotating pitching staff at times to put together performance after performance to ultimately capture the title was pretty awesome. And, you know, I think there's few guys in the major leagues that could have done that. And, you know, Dima is one of those guys. So uh, before we kind of get into the pitching staff and what's going on, we're going to take a quick break to listen to a word from our sponsors. All right, Garrett, it is time to talk pitching because while the offense was underperforming a good bit, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about the rotation first. If you told me that opening day starter Hayden Deal was going to be moved to the bullpen at some point during the season, I would have said that this Mississippi rotation was in a pretty bad spot. But what ended up happening is that between – promotions and just guys just developing like this was the most impressive part of this team and you look at guys who you know started the season there and perform well would be nolan kingham um or if you have guys that were promoted there that performed well you know looking at guys like bryce elder spencer strider freddie tarnock you know victor vodnik started there and while he was he was injured a good chunk of the year he performed well when he was there alan Renhell, as it turns out can play on another team other than the rome braves and he made his way to double a finally you know this is a really really fun pitching staff to watch uh particularly on the starting rotation so kind of like walk us through the guys who were in the rotation and your general thoughts on them because there's honestly there's a lot of good news there and a lot less in the way of bad news there yeah, it's such a deep rotation that it's hard to kind of pick a guy to lead off with. Um, you know, I, I would say that for us, the top prospect in the, that pitch for the team was Spencer Strider, you know, and he was, whenever I did not have recaps, absolutely fantastic. Uh, struck out a ton of guys, you know, I, yeah, I think, he, yeah, you were, you were his kiss of death. That yes, no unfortunately, about that. I was the problem there, but you know, he got himself up to, you know, the major league level as a reliever, you know, fantastic year from him. And, and, and he, you know, you could see there were times where you saw the flaws kind of that he has still left exposed. This was the first level where he saw his flaws exposed, where the command can get away from him. And when it does, it, it can get ugly fairly quickly. But overall, even with those happening, he had a really great season. And, you know, you look at it, he had a 4.71 ERA. He was better than that. I think his FIP is like a full run or more lower than that. He was a lot better than that ERA says. He just kind of, it seemed like every time he gave up hits, they all came at, like in bunches. That kind of was an issue for him, but overall, he was fantastic this season. We'll talk about him, I'm sure, on the next two episodes too. He was fantastic. He was definitely, you know, the guy in that rotation that we think is the best. The other two, like the other two, well, three top prospects um, that pitched for the team uh, were Freddie Tarnock was I th- was the second most surprising player for us this year behind Strider in that. Yeah. You know, he struggled yep. for a couple of years there, you know, and we were kind of like, is this guy a bullpen arm? Is this guy a starter? You know, what is he? And he went out there this year and was like, you know, I'm one of the top pitching prospects in the system. His pitches all took a step forward. His command was better this year. He was just fantastic. He was fantastic in the postseason. He was dominant in the postseason. He was had moments during the regular season where he was – the best player on the field. He was fantastic this year. You know, he showed an improved changeup. The curveball is still great. The fastball was lively. A great spin on it. You know, he really impressed this year and 
raised his stock a ton. Uh, Bryce Elder raised his stock a ton. He was another guy that moved a bunch of levels. You know, and he's, you know, he's not as exciting as the previous two guys in terms of his, you know, arsenal, but he's got a full, he's got four pitches that he can use in the major league level. He's commanded those pitches well. He started two at the end of the year once he got promoted to Gwinnett, kind of ran into some issues with his command where it seemed like he was getting tired, but he pitches a ton of innings. You know, he's efficient with his pitches. He was averaged more than six innings per start with Mississippi. You know, he was one of the better pitching prospects in the system this year. And, you know, you like him in terms of, you know, that third to fifth spot in the rotation, a guy that's going to go out there and give you, you know, a ton of innings in the year, give you consistency. He's the most consistent starter in the system by a lot. And he's a guy that could be at the magic level next year. And will has a, will probably at least get a cup of tea at the magic level next year, assuming he stays healthy and all that type of stuff. Um, you know, you know, you talk about Nolan Keegum and Hayden Deal. These are guys that pitch really, really well as starters and even pitching really, really well couldn't hold on to rotation spots. And that's just how good this team was. You know, um, Keegum specifically, you know, Deal with the cutter has a good potential out of the bullpen. I, Kingdom especially looked really good in the bullpen in the postseason. Uh, I liked what I saw out of him in the postseason. Um, the other guy was, uh, my brain is not thinking right now. Jared Schuster. Jared Schuster is definitely the next guy in terms of prospect status, but he kind of, he wasn't very good at, uh, double A this year. He ran it, you know, he has, home run problems and that followed him to double a so his numbers overall weren't very good uh he was just you know he, he pitched well at rome we'll talk about him more with rome he wasn't that great with mississippi just because of the home run issues but he still took out a fairly good bit of guys um you know didn't walk a ton of guys you know overall kind of did what he did at low a just unfortunately kind of ran i i he will start at double a next year i assume uh, i think that's where he needs to be uh and we'll kind of see, you know, his, his the concern with him is is he, his velocity wasn't where it was in college. Uh, the changeup was fantastic. Obvi- I mean, he has the best changeup in the system. It was great. Um, the fastball velocity just wasn't where we wanted it, and it's kind of going to be a question of does he have enough velocity to succeed consistently as a start, you know, deeper in the games as a starting pitcher because he gets beat in the zone if he leaves it in the zone. And, and so he's he's an interesting case in that regard. Uh, Vodnik, we just didn't get enough. I, I don't think that we got enough healthy time from him to really evaluate his season. Um, overall, I mean, he was 21 at double-A, and even being at double-A at 21 is a fantastic achievement. And he held his own the entire way. Um, you know, he definitely ran into command issues, which we kind of knew was a thing with him. He ran into command issues, and that's kind of when he got hurt was when he couldn't command the ball. But overall, when he kept the ball in the strike zone, he was very, very difficult to hit. And regardless of whether he, you know, the big question is, is he going to stay healthy enough to start? And I, I'm leaning towards no right now. I think regardless of whatever role they put him in long term, he has the pure stuff to succeed as a starter or a reliever. Uh, his fastball is fantastic. He's got an electric arm. The slider's really great. I just don't think that the health is going to allow him to start long term. I think once he gets moved into the bullpen, 
he's going to explode in the system and he's an incredibly talented guy. And it's just unfortunate. He wasn't able to stay healthy this year. Seeing him get good innings in the fall league has been great. I assume he will start back at double a next year, which repeating a level for a guy, not a big deal. He's 21. If he repeats, it's not a huge deal, especially because of the injuries he had, you know, that's not a knock. He's just, he needs to repeat. And I think he'll be just fine next year. Yeah. Um, in Vodnik's case, I've been kind of the the one guy who's been like, I really just don't see him as a starter just because he had he's had injury issues when he was in Rome. Uh, the the arm is very live, you know, it's like a fastball approaching triple digits and, you know, gets a bunch of movement. But like, like the combination of the inability to stay healthy as well as the smaller frame and the intermittent command issues. And when his command is off, it's not off a little bit. It's like, you know, you need to make sure that you're not going to be wearing one in the ear uh, when you're in the batter's box against him. So I, I do wonder, and I'm wondering more and more, and I'm kind of less and less on the Victor Vodnik is a starter train, uh, even though I understand that you kind of keep trying until it just definitely doesn't work anymore type of thing uh, with an arm that good. But it's just, you know, it's a situation where I just don't really see him as a starter. Uh, obviously, I mean, the guys who came through this rotation between Strider and Elder – Tarnock, these are all guys who can really, really pitch, and that was a lot of fun to see. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty low on Jared Schuster at the moment, simply because I, the reasons that you mentioned. The ch- the changeup's great, it's genuinely great, but I wonder how healthy he's been all year in terms of like you know kind of where his shoulder is. Uh, and we said going into the year, we kind of knew that he had kind of a shoulder thing from from his draft year that we were you know not really sure how that's impacting him combine that with just like that velocity drop and just like that, that fastball is not scaring anybody. And when it's in the zone, it's downright dangerous to throw. So I, I don't really know what to make of him right now. Other than I'm a little lower on him, but you know, he look, the breaking ball is fair. The, the changeup is very good. And you know, it comes down to whether or not that he can get a fastball that's reasonable enough that will play off his changeup because that changes everything for him. That changes the profile completely. Because all of a sudden it's much harder to time him up. It's you know if you can get an extra tick on your fastball, then it just you know makes that change up work that much better, get that much out and more out in front of it, as opposed to fouling it off. It's actually more of a swing and miss pitch and things like that. I just you know it's kind of a tough situation. I, I find myself kind of evaluating Jared Schuster, uh, Alan Ron Hell. I, I do want to kind of point out that you know he had a really good year. Um, I, again, I I think he's more of a organizational depth piece at this point. But to see him pitch well and actually make his way to Double A, you know, considering how long he spent in Rome, you know, was really exciting to see. Aldavi Javier had even had his moments uh, as a starter uh, and as a pitcher just in general, so I kind of want to shout him out as well. But when you have guys like Nolan King picking out of your bullpen, who like was like for a while just like throwing seemingly seven innings every start, uh, it kind of tells you the quality of the the starting pitching staff that kind of ended up at Mississippi this year. Really, really excited to kind of see how a lot of these guys develop. It's going to create some really good problems for the Braves, I think, when it comes to setting their AAA roster next year and kind of figuring out exactly how they want to handle who, where, where guys start and how they're going to handle moving them going forward because a lot of these guys have been in the system for a while and they're going to have to start making some decisions on them pretty quickly. But, you know, th- these are kind of some good problems to have. Uh, now, the 
strength of this Mississippi team was their rotation, but a close second, I think, was their bullpen, particularly towards the end of the season. Uh, it was headlined, you know, for a while there by Brendan White, who had a good, who had a really good season. But then the reinforcements started coming in. Indigo Diaz got promoted from high A to Rome and, you know, until he got COVID and kind of had a later season swoon, he sort of fell off a bit. You know, Hayden Deal was moved to the bullpen out of the rotation. Corbin Klaus came back from injury. He had a pretty major shoulder surgery. Comes back and starts shoving again. Troy Bacon had a good year. This is a really good Mississippi Braves bullpen. So talk to me a little bit about the guys that are in the bullpen that you liked, other guys that you weren't as big a fan of, and kind of where you see some of them going forward. Yeah, I mean, it's such it's such a deep group of guys. There's not a ton that, like, particularly stood out as, like, horrible that we've – there's none that, like, came into this season we thought that they were going to be great and they weren't. Like, the guys that succeeded that were kind of guys that we wanted to succeed. You know, on the negative side, you know, this was kind of um, – Josh Graham had a good year early in the year. Then he got hurt for, you know, in late June, didn't come back. He elected free agent recently. You know, he was 27. This was kind of like – this was kind of like his last year, right? Like, he had to do something this year. He got hurt. Unfortunately, you know, it just didn't work out. You know, and I think that that was the biggest negative this season for that bullpen. Outside of that, I mean, everybody was fantastic. Uh, Klaus coming back and looking really, really good is a good sign. I think, I assume he'll be at AAA next year. You know, he's still a guy that like, again, he's 26. So he's got to like kind of make a move now, but he has the stuff to succeed at the major league level. He was fantastic in his short time there this year. And that was a good, that was a really, really good sign to see from him. And then um Indigo Diaz, fantastic at every single level. Like you said, kind of struggled at the end of the year, struggled a little bit in the playoffs. But, I mean, you know, when he was with Mississippi, he was the best reliever on that team. And that is saying a lot because they had arguably the guy that sh- was either the best or second best reliever in the league all year in Brooks Wilson, who, yep. you know, I think we kind of had him on our map going – into this year but like now I think that you know for me I consider like this is a guy that's going to be at AAA next year and he's going to be looking to play himself into a middle relief role at the major league level because he was just absurd this year he struck out 73 guys in 44 innings this year he was kind of he he wasn't ever like in that closure role no one ever really you know Brandon White at the beginning of the year again fantastic year from Brandon White he kind of had that closure role at the beginning of the year but it was kind of more of a closer by committee thing and so Wilson was never like a closer per se but he was a guy that was consistently brought into high leverage situations and consistently performed this year and he he really put himself on the map of guys that are going to get a look next year if and when the Braves need some relief help at the major league level he's going to be a guy that's going to at least get some looks if he succeeds at triple a um uh, another guy that, you know, you mentioned Troy Bacon looked well this year. You know, I, I question if he's a guy that you question if the fastball is good enough to, to kind of, if the stuff is good enough for him to succeed at the major league level, he's definitely has what it takes. You know, I think he'll be fine in AAA. It's just, he, it comes and goes for him. I'm not, I like Bacon as a reliever, but I don't, you know, all relievers are kind of could go either way and he could be a guy that, could be a decent middle reliever. He could just get to triple A and just not work out for him. Um, I like the, you know, I, I guess the kind of 
he was really good at triple A. I mean, double A this year. Dezbel Hernandez was fantastic at double A this year. He, he struggled when he started out, but towards the end there, he was really, really great. No one could hit him at that level. Uh, he was very concerning at triple A this year. Uh, like his command was really, really bad at triple A, but it seemed like he went down to double A, uh, worked with Dan Meyer a little bit, and it seemed like he kind of turned the season around and kind of, there was a time where it was almost like it might be time to really consider moving him down and not really considering him a major relief prospect. And I think that he kind of went back and reclaimed that to where you think, okay, if he goes up to AAA, he'll get another shot in AAA next year and he'll have a chance. You know, the fastball is absurdly good. He has a good slider. The command is really, really bad. That's just who he is. Yeah, it's not, yeah, it's not good. The command is just bad. But if he can kind of get it to a level, the stuff is good enough that he can, if he can get it within a reasonable level, he can succeed at the major league level. Um, and so I, it was good to see him go down and have some success after those early struggles. Another guy to, another guy to highlight was Matt Withrow. Uh, you know, he's had some yep, struggles, you yep, know, love, injuries yep, and, love uh, Matt. He, and he had a fantastic year. And I, I'm really happy to see him have a fantastic, go down there and just have a great year. He, he's, a great, I mean, he's a great guy. We love him. And I, I was really happy to see him come in and have a good year. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, again, just kind of echoing what Garrett was saying, you know, I think this is a really talented bullpen. Uh, when, like, one of your worst guys in your bullpen is like Troy Bacon, which was kind of what the case was towards the end of the year. Like, that's a really good bullpen. Um, and, you know, like Jake Higginbotham, he had, he dealt with injuries, but he came back, he pitched well. You know, obviously, you know, Corbin Klaus coming back from like a really major injury and being like a really important part of that, that Mississippi Braves bullpen at the end of the year, you know, played, played really well. Glad to see him. We'll probably see him back in AAA next year. You know, maybe Vodna get moved, gets moved in there, but Brendan White's got, looks like he could be a major league arm. Indigo Diaz. I mean, there's a bunch of guys in this bullpen. I mean, like, are they all going to be like, you know, like super high leverage guys? No, but there's a lot of really talented arms on the bullpen side that like they can, I could, I would not be shocked at all if we saw one or multiple of these guys in the major leagues next year. Again, they just go to AAA and they just play well. And when an opportunity presents themselves, they go up there and they get it. And I would be thrilled if that happened because, you know, again, these are a lot of guys, a lot of these guys we're talking about have been in the system for a long time. Uh, we, you know, Garrett mentioned Josh Graham. I mean, Josh Graham has been around for, had been in the system forever and he still manages to, you know, stick, stick around as long as he did. You know, unfortunately he gets injured and, you know, maybe hopefully he catches on somewhere else and he ends up being able to stay healthy and possibly push his way to the major leagues. Cause you know, that was a live arm too. He was really new to pitching back when he was drafted by the Braves, but you know, he came, he came in and he kind of showed himself to be a, a really kind of a talented reliever that, I would not be surprised again if he kind of makes his way to the major league level too. So, uh, that's pretty much all we've got for this show. And we, we pretty much covered everybody. Uh, Garrett, is there anything else you want to say to anybody before we let him go? Nah, I, I think I'm good to go. Yeah, I really do appreciate everyone supporting the podcast over the last few weeks. Uh, there was obviously a ton of major league content that would have came up on the stream. Uh, thanks to Brad for, you know, 
constantly dealing with Scott and I, uh, in terms of, you know, keeping us reined in on the Talking Shop flagship podcast. Uh, big thanks to Sean Coleman as well for his work on the hammer, which has been a great feat, addition to the feed. Uh, if you're looking for a kind of a quick daily dose of your Braves news, then that's the show that you need to go for to the hammer. If you want to not miss a single episode of any three of those podcasts, that'd be the Talking Shop flagship show, the Daily Hammer, or this show, The Road to Atlanta, which is the, our, specifically our minor league show. All you have to do is subscribe to the Talking Shop podcast feed via whatever podcast purveyor you prefer that, you know, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher. We're on all of them. And if we're not on, on something, let us know and we'll get it listed on there. So that way you don't miss a single episode. You subscribe to the feed for zero dollars. You get three shows and they get downloaded straight to you whenever those uh, episodes come out. So make sure you subscribe. Make sure you tell your friends about it. Uh, in the coming weeks, we are going to be having minor league player reviews going up on the site. Uh, we've been very hard at work in getting those out to you. It's going to feature a lot of our top 30 guys uh, from our prospect list as well as a few others who weren't on that list. So that way we're kind of making sure we get a kind of a wide breadth of content to you guys regarding the minor leagues. Just kind of our updated thoughts about how those guys, the end of their seasons went, you know, what we think about them going forward, potential placements for them to start the season next year, things like that. So that, and those can be individual articles and I'll be rolling out over the course of the next few weeks. In addition to kind of the major league player reviews, which we do every year on talking chop. So they'll be kind of rolled around around the same time. Make sure you keep an eye on the site for that. We really appreciate all the support. Thank you all so much. We'll get back to regularly recording the minor league show now that, you know, there's actually some things to talk about on the minor league side combined with not competing with World Series coverage, which is not something I thought I was going to be saying in 2021, but we're really glad that that happened. It was a great run by the Braves and we're really excited now that once now that the season is over, we get the bask in the glow of being, having the Braves being world champions while also kind of looking to the future a bit. And until then, we'll see you on the road.